We are in the middle of Lent, and as I shared uh, a week ago, Lent is a funny thing, and I've been, I've been reflecting on this because I, uh, most of the time, I'm just a horrible person nowadays because I don't sleep at all, thanks to my kids, and um, I've just been thinking about the grace that Lent is. Uh, I think that I've done about 30 Lents, which is crazy. Um, maybe it's not that crazy, judging by your reaction, but in my life, that's pretty boring. That, that's really crazy for me, like 30 Lents. I'm wild and crazy. But uh, it's interesting and it's beautiful because uh, no matter where we are in our state, physical, spiritual, mental, Lent comes. And the church invites us every year into a season of penitence and fasting, of self-reflection, of self-denial. And it doesn't ask us if we're ready. Uh, I don't know about you, but I mean, I don't get a letter from the church saying, we kind of like to do this if you're okay with it. I guess so. Um, It just happens. And you can, which means that we can enter into this season in a variety and myriad of different states. There's been times that I have looked forward to it. That's really rare. There's been times that I was uh, really needing it. There's been times that I needed, I said uh, last year, like I, I'm looking forward to a holy boredom. I think my prayer in Lent was just to be bored. And uh, that happened. And, uh, and I think this year it's been just a grace for our community. I think that um, the invitation to give the whole of ourselves to Christ is so refreshing and so needed in a grace. I think for many of us, we're one more commitment away. We're one financial obligation away. We're one, whatever it may be, away from just being on the edge of our capacity and our energy and our life. And I love that Lent calls us back and calls everything that we have and everything that we are and everything that we do into, into question. It's a good thing. And uh, I was... Um, I've been hearing about this question that's been kind of going around our house churches lately. And um, it's, it, it's not, what does Alex sound like when he's not singing? <laughs> Which that was very, I, I told him he could chant the financial update if he wanted to, but he didn't want to do it. Um, the question has been, and these questions came from Stephen Strott, uh, who told them to me at Waffle House a few months ago, and then I told someone else. And so like telephone and bloom, all of a sudden I'm hearing from house churches, we've been asking these questions. And the questions are, one, in what way do you see Christ moving around you? That is to say, the rhythm of the divine, the eternal spirit, the Holy Spirit moving around you already in your workplace, Uh, in your neighborhood, in your school, wherever you may be, where do you see the Spirit of God already moving, bringing restoration and healing conviction to the world? And the second question is, in what ways are you, and I love this word, compelled, to be drawn into that work, to allow yourself to be drawn into the work of Christ in the world? And it may demand your time, your energy, your money, your prayers, whatever it may be, but in what ways are you drawn into that? And um, so we've kind of had this like Lenten revival around Bloom, 
because people are asking this question in house churches. And it's, it's making people think in different ways, like where am I, am I open to the work of the Spirit, not only in me, but in our world? And it's beautiful because that's a hard thing to see sometimes. If you, I've, I'm fasting from CNN, and Fox, and MSNBC, all this stuff. And um, because it's just constant. It's the, the vitriol, the, the hate, the distraction from all things beautiful and all things good and God himself. And so it, to me, it's a Lenten question. And um, I say all that to say that in this conversation that we see between Nicodemus and, and Jesus, I think that maybe the church gives it to us because it's such a Lenten journey for Nicodemus to make to find Christ in the cover of night and to come to him. And we don't know why Nicodemus originally came to him. He says to Jesus, like, we've seen kind of like my religious friends and I. I mean, Nicodemus is a Pharisee, which means that he keeps the law to the T, which means that they are very clear on what's right, what's wrong, what's moral, what's not moral, what's good, what does God like, what does God not like. So he's got it all. And he comes to Jesus and he says, we've seen that you do these things, these things that someone would do as if God was on their side. And we don't know why he's at, we don't know if he's saying, we've seen that you do these things, now cut it out. We've seen that you do these things, uh, can we follow you? We don't know. Because Jesus totally derails whatever purpose he had when he came to Jesus in the first place. Jesus derails that with his response. And he says, truly I tell you, unless you are born anew, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Which is crazy because Nicodemus is coming to him in the first place because he's seen the kingdom of God, right? He's seen what the kingdom of God is like. He saw, I love theologians have said for, for thousands of years, they've said if you want to know what God is like, the creator, you look at Christ. What kinds of things did Christ do on the earth? What did he do? It's a daylight saving wake up. What, what did he do when he was here? What, anybody? Healed people. Yeah, he healed. What else? He forgave. He washed people clean. What else? This morning, this woman said, he showed us what love is like. I love that. He displayed God. The word made flesh. The action of God, the creative energy of God made flesh. Christ walking around in the person of Jesus. Nicodemus saw that. I've seen what you're doing. And Jesus says to him, you've seen, but you haven't seen. You've seen sort of traces of the kingdom of God being made manifest on the earth, but you haven't seen really yet. Because to see really and to be in this fully and to understand who I am and what I'm doing and what all of this is about anyway. You have to be born anew. Nicodemus says, you can't do that. How can I be born again? 
Jesus says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Jesus is going back to a prophecy in Ezekiel talking about the coming of the messianic age of the Messiah of the kingdom of God on the earth. There's a prophecy in Ezekiel which talks about you'll be born of water and the Spirit, and the Spirit will live in you and dwell in you. The new humanity will walk the face of the earth, people indwelled by the Spirit of God, by the Creator. Nicodemus was looking forward to that age because that's what the Pharisees did. They believed that one day God would come and bring and usher in a new messianic age, the age to come. He's looking for a Messiah. His heart is open for a Messiah. But Jesus totally switches the game on him. And then there's all this talk about wind. You can feel the wind. You, can, you, can, you know it's there, but you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with the Spirit of God. And no one can explain how that happens. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but it can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. He doesn't say you can't explain if they are or that they are. This is a reality that Jesus is just assuming happens, that people are born anew by the Spirit of God. But he is saying you can't say how it happens. For us, and especially in the modern, whatever we are in, um, (laughs) post-dispensational, cessationist, turn of the century, whatever you want to say, American evangelicalism, it's, we love to, to say how. Someone this morning, the, today actually, I said, it's, it's just so interesting because what we, we're so bred to have certitude. And this man looked at me and he said, well, certitude is a sin. And I think that's true. Because it puts us and our methods and our, what we think we know above the reality of God that has always been described as a what? Mystery. Good job. (laughs) As a mystery. It's beautiful. It's compelling. It draws us in. It wakens us to new life. The Spirit of God as the wind causing us to be born anew, living in our hearts. But it's a mystery. We don't know how. Jesus said, you don't know how. Not I don't know if it's the reality. He's saying it is the reality, but I can't tell you how. But it's real. My brother um, came in this weekend, and uh, he did not buy his airplane ticket. Uh, We did, so he flew Frontier. (laughs) And um, he's never flown Frontier in his life. But he, he got online it's kind of like when the doctors say, don't Google this. Well, also, don't Google Frontier. Because uh, it's, I mean, it's all, he read all these reviews. And I think I got a call from him, like, on the hour before he took, you know, seven hours in a row, probably. So, okay. So, I've got my snacks. I have my strategy. Like, I know they're not going to give me water, but that's okay. And, you know, like, is this going to crash? And then, all, you know, all these questions. And I, I finally had to say, like, you act as if you are going to walk out to your front yard in Nashville, sit in a lawn chair with a can of beer, 
or whatever you like, I don't know. And, um, and a helicopter's gonna come and drop down a line and you're gonna hook it to your lawn chair and that's how you're getting to Denver. <laughs> like you are talking like a crazy person. This is a, it's safe. It's, well, I don't know, maybe it is, but I told him that. It's, it's, a, it's a normal thing. So, so he had all, like he was so anxious about this flight for whatever reason. He's not even an anxious person. And he said, I just wanna know what I'm walking into. And it's really true, like, that's kind of how we all are with travel. We pack our bags. If we're going to the beach, we pack a swimsuit. If we're going to the mountains, we pack a coat. Hopefully, that's how you do that. And, um, and we get ready to go. We get ready for the journey. But when I read this, it's as if Nicodemus is getting his bags packed He's ready for the kingdom. He's ready for his trip. And they're like, well, today we're going to time travel. Did you bring your time traveling suit? I mean, how? <laughs> Imagine that. I'm prepared for what I think. And then not only do I not have what I need, it's like the whole journey is this whole different thing. I mean, Nicodemus was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He was looking for the Messiah. His bag was packed. He... Like, he was the right ethnicity. He's a Pharisee. He was circumcised. Wow. <laughs> he did all the right rules and regulations. He was the teacher of religious law. Like, his bag is packed. I've got my race. I've got my stuff. I've got, like, men have not changed that much, have we? <laughs> like, just a ton of entitlement. Walking on to board the kingdom of God. And Jesus totally flips it on him. He, to, he makes it near impossible. You have to be born anew. What are you even doing? This trip is not what you think it is. Your bags aren't as packed as you thought they were. He just totally psh, blows every conception this religious man had out of the water. You have to be born anew. Well, how's that work? Well, it's kind of like the wind. You don't know where it's going, but it is real. And like no one knows how it works. Okay, tell me more. Well, also... It's like, you remember that stick that Moses put up in the wilderness that like healed people because God, you know, people were sick and God said, put a stick on a, put a snake on a stick and people looked at it and they were healed. Well, that's also like what it's going to be like for me when I'm raised up. So I'm, he's probably like, what in the world? I thought this guy was cool. He's like healing people and all of a sudden he's flipping the whole thing. But you hear in this, in this, you hear in this conversation a, a longing Underneath the religion, underneath the circumcision and the ethnicity and all the things that he's kind of laid out of like, I've got what it takes to be in the kingdom of God. Underneath all that, I could say is a Linton heart. It's a heart that wants to know, that wants to be open. Because Jesus is saying crazy stuff, and he still leans in. He goes, how can this be? Tell me. Tell me more. That's what Jesus does to all of us. Tell me how. Nope. <laughs> well, I'm going to go figure out, I'm going to make up some thing, and I'm going to, some kind of religious, you know, uh, protocol. I'm going to bring it back to you. And he goes, Nope. <laughs> He says, the Son of Man will be lifted up. 
just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. In all seriousness, the Son of Man will be lifted up and draw people. People will be healed. They'll be set free. They'll be rescued. We say at the table that you died for all. Son of Man will be lifted up. And he says this, that all who believe will be drawn in. That's the answer. Believe. Trust. It's better than if we get, you know, we're given this kind of rubric on how to save ourselves. It's better in the end for us. Because just like the prophecy in Ezekiel, we're born of water and spirit. We're filled with the spirit of the creator, the one who is lifted up, the one who saves and heals and restores all things, who is bringing in a new age, who is creating a new humanity, who walk the earth filled with the goodness and the beauty of God. This conversation is actually just so beautiful and so typical of what happens when we meet Christ, isn't it? Nicodemus walks away. We don't know what happens. Except that we do. Where do we see Nicodemus again? What? At the crucifixion. Jesus has died. He has done, he's finished the work. And standing at the foot of the cross is this man who came to Jesus at night, confident in his own journey, his own makeup, full of certitude, kind of coming to Jesus as like, I see that you are good, good job. Well, his whole life gets turned around. And standing at the foot of the cross is a broken man. He takes the body of Jesus. He takes him off the cross. He carries him to a nearby tomb and he buries him. And he brings with him oils and perfumes. He gives him a Jewish ceremonial burial. He Aries, the one he was talking to that night, who probably, I would guess, he opened himself up more and more and more and more to. And the interesting thing is the amount of perfume and the amount of oil that he brought with him to bury Jesus that day was an absurd amount. An absurd amount of perfume and oil to bury Jesus. You wouldn't do that unless you were burying a king. It was the amount of oil that one would use to bury a king. That's how he buried the one who we found that night. The one who turned his whole conception of himself and heaven and salvation and the kingdom of God on its end. 
somehow Jesus was lifted up in this man's heart. And he buried him as such. I love this journey because it is, as I've said before, it's such a Lenten journey. Because every step of the way, there was an openness, there was a receptivity. Most of the time in my life, I pray, help me to open myself to you as best I can, because I don't even know how this works. I have no idea how this works. Physical life can only give birth to physical life. Christ says in this passage, but spiritual life comes from above. The spirit gives birth to spirit. I have no idea how it works, but I know that it's reality. As we were singing God Our Mother this morning, I just was overcome with emotion because I thought out 10 years ago, I think, we were sitting in another basement. We like basements, but we were sitting in another basement in another church that we don't own. And um, we were singing this song, and I've just, I went, man, that this community, through all of our ups and downs and sideways and everything, that we have consistently had a posture of openness to the Spirit of God. And we don't understand, and we're not trying to explain how it all works, but there's this openness to all that Christ is and wants to do in us and make us into what we have held here is beautiful. I love journeying with Bloom. I love that we come every Sunday. Let's open ourselves up more and more and more to the Spirit of God. Let the wind fill us. Let the life of the Spirit be planted within us and make us the new humanity that you know that we are. That you would be lifted up in our lives, and in this world. My encouragement to you this Lent is to open yourself up to the Spirit of God as best you can, as wide as you can, and as deep as you can. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bloom Church Podcast. For more information on who we are and how you can get involved, visit our website at bloom.church.